Hello, and welcome to the Burning Cold Theater's podcast series, Into the Fire, with Jerome Davis. Hi, this is Jerome Davis. I'm the Artistic Director of Burning Cold Theater Company, and I'd like to welcome everyone to Into the Fire, the Burning Cold Theater Company podcast series on all things theatrical. Today we have one of my favorite theatrical people, uh, Byron Jennings, uh, joining us. Byron is currently in in the midst of a run of Stuff Happens by David Hare, in which he is playing Colin Powell. Byron, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. And um, I said to you before we uh, went on uh, the podcast, but I'll say it for posterity as well, this uh, performance is one of my favorites uh, in our 22-year history at Burning Coal. And thank so, you very much. So thank you for doing it. It's, uh, it's not an easy one. Have you, uh, have you had any uh, concerns about playing a character who was as esteemed and then lost some of that esteem as, as Mr. Powell? Yes. Uh, first and foremost, playing someone who, uh, well, let me, let me rewind. First, thank you for having me sure. uh, in this role. It is uh, when Jerry contacted me about playing Colin Powell, I could not, it's like, I, I don't even need to read the script. I, I know it's, I want to do it, but definitely reading the script wanted me, uh, I wanted to do it even more after reading the script. So once again, thank you. Um, it was a little daunting at first to play someone who is still alive and someone who is so esteemed. Um, his profile may be lowered, uh, in the past few years, but he's still, around doing things. In fact, he did an episode of Madam Secretary. Yes, I, with, saw, that. I saw that episode. <laughs> with Madeleine Albright and Hillary Clinton. So he's still um, in the public eye, just not as much as he was. Yeah. But absolutely, I, 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 there was a bit of trepidation. I was like, yes, I would love to do this role. And then I sat there in front of my computer after I sent you the email yeah. and said, ho, ho, ho. See, I never know what happens after I get the yes, you know. I there's always some kind of uh, recrimination. Yeah, or well, just... the same thing with uh, when I did The Normal Heart back in February. Um, was a play, not to go too much on a tangent, but that was a play that I was familiar with and one that I think has quite amount, a lot of sort of responsibility to the human community. Yeah. Um, so taking on the role of Bruce then too was it was a big responsibility for me as well. You want to get it right. Absolutely. Uh, there was so much suffering, um, and uh, and that's really true of this uh, of this production in a in a I guess a lesser way, but um, but certainly the hundred thousand plus Iraqis who yeah. who died as a result of a. Uh, what I consider to be a meaningless war and the 3,000 or so American soldiers who died and the families and friends and co-workers yes. who've had to deal with that over the uh, last 15 years is not a, um, a, a subject to be taken lightly Absolutely. or to be entered into lightly. And Absolutely. yet, and yet, uh, what this play depicts has a lot of great... Uh, uh, drama depicts our men and women working closely together over a long period of time and the camaraderie that that inevitably develops out of that and the humor uh, 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 within those relationships and how do you balance that? How do you balance telling the story that if you look at it from a macro level it has global uh, and perhaps uh, even yet unforeseen circumstances but but in the micro level is about guys working together and uh, having fun together um well that was really well put actually um 
I think first and foremost, you're right, finding the humor, finding the humanity. Because when I told people I was doing this show, of course, being able to look back on history, everyone had their opinion of Rumsfeld and Bush and Cheney in particular, right. those three. Yeah. Um, I think it's maybe uh, uh, two. True, true, but I think really kind of in the way, as far as people who are really sort of higher profile, yeah. and Wolfowitz too, absolutely, but those three, someone said to me, the axes of evil. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Just yeah. those three individuals, they were, the they, they were referred were public, to, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um, but you can't, you know, as an, as an actor, you, you can't play evil you can't play and you can't approach it like that at least I try not to ever I have to try to get to the humanity and right. though I feel like Colin Powell is given uh, quite a bit of that in this play I said I want to approach it as truthfully to find the love one of my acting coaches uh, when I was an undergrad would always say you find you got to find the love find the reason to stay yeah. um, in a scene find the love in a character yeah a character on paper may seem to be uh, not redeemable or have any kind of qualities or anyone love, but you don't start at yeah. that point. Yeah. Uh, so same thing with the story, and this is a story with a lot of ghosts, over a hundred thousand, over a hundred and you know three thousand counting. A, a lot of ghosts, and I want to I want it to honor that. Um, but once again, and I <laughs> I know I keep referring to Normal Heart too, a play that with so much at stake, so much humanity at stake, so much tragedy and loss. Yeah. Um, we had to, you have to find that humor because we don't have any of that. Why? There's no way that humanity can go on. We can't go on. It's also easier to look at it 15 years removed or in the case of the AIDS crisis, although not over certainly uh, the the heat of the moment when nobody knew what was going on and they were blind and sort of staggering around and like in a dark room. Right. It's, it's, that's a different thing than to look back on that moment. Uh, and you have to, as an actor, I think, uh, put yourself in that dark room. Uh, you do. You do. And you uh, you have to figure out a way to not let it consume you. Mm-hmm. Um, I get really involved in the, in the roles and the characters that, that I inhabit. Um, <laughs> not, I, some, some people always ask me about you know, becoming a different person. Uh, when I play a role, and I don't feel like I'm becoming so indifferently. I, I sort of approach it as every character that I've played over the many years I'm doing this, been, they've been extensions of who I am. Um, I don't become so indifferently. They're just sort of an extension. I, I have all of the attributes that every character I've ever played has. Whether so it be that good. part of exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. But you have to figure out a way to keep that from consuming you something that I, I had to learn really early on and you know people always use sort of Vivian Lee as Blanche DuBois mm-hmm. and that, that you know already dealing with mental health issues but mm-hmm. having a role that sort of plunged her into darkness yeah. um, and so I you know making sure that we do laugh or, or you know particularly I, Julie Oliver a fellow uh, actor in this like we I love her but she makes me laugh and smile mm-hmm. uh, and you know there's a, a pretty difficult scene then we go on and we do and then come back and you just kind of you share that light and that love yeah. Um, yeah. and you just don't let it consume you you want to tell the truth but you make sure that you take care of yourself physically and mentally too while you're do you uh, do you ever find yourself uh, having to to make a different choice um, because uh, the choice you've made has pulled you too far toward the 
psychology of the character? Yes. How do you deal with that? Do you do you do it? Do you make the choice, or do you <sighs> stick with it and gut it sometimes out? Sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. Yeah. You you sometimes you recognize that you don't want to go in that direction, yeah. and sometimes uh, you just do. It's it's almost when you're singing, uh, and particularly if you're you're a singing actor, sometimes you sacrifice technique right. for emotion mm -hmm. and it's a similar thing um when even when you're not singing is you say ah maybe i don't want to go down that road to get to that point um but sometimes in the moment if it's truthful you do that and you just try to figure so out a way. it might change from one night exactly to the next. oh absolutely and that's that's the beauty of live theater to yeah. just any stuff happens <laughs> anything can happen <laughs> um, and i and i love that i i, I I always love doing live theater. You're going to have different audiences. You're going to have different moods of the cast. You're going to have different moods in yourself. Um, and being able to reconcile all of those things um, is the key, I feel like, to being as truthful as you can, not locking it in. Some things, obviously, blocking and certain things. Because you also have to reconcile lighting cues and, and other cast members. So locking in things, absolutely. Carrying a but prop off stage. Yes, absolutely. And, and, yeah. and you want to make sure those, you know, the safety of everyone is important. But as far as locking in the certain aspects of the performance, you, you kind of have to respond truthfully. And that's what I always try to do at the end of the day, just to be truthful on stage. To listen truthfully to what is going on um, and to respond as truthfully as I can. When you, uh, so we've, we've been talking for a while and we've kind of been uh, dancing around the issue of your uh, background and your training particularly. Mm -hmm. Anybody who's listened to the first few seconds of this podcast will know that you have a very strong voice, a Thank voice that, that continues to serve you very well in the live theater and I imagine in other uh, art forms as well. Thank but you. How um, how did you get there? Is that something you were born with, or is that something you developed <laughs> as an actor? Um, a little from column A, a little from column B. Uh -huh. um, my father, who uh, is is not in theater, but we have very similar voices. Yeah. And I didn't realize, and I started theater kind of when I was a kid or early teens. Right. Um, and then you hit puberty, and I you still don't really, you know, your voice is changing, but not until people started saying. Wow, like that, and I'm just like, wow to what? What are you, what are you referring to? Sounds, sounds like the same. Voice. Exactly. It's yeah. just like it's it's uh, it got deeper and and yeah. resonant and and uh, so it's like okay, well let's work on making sure that it's supported, mm -hmm. um, and also that I access different parts of my range, yeah. and uh, and that I just let it serve me. It's in and the character as best as I can. When did you start acting? What, what's your first memory of being on stage? My first memory was, I was 12, maybe 11, 12. Um, I think it was just some, like some elementary school such middle school play. Right. But the very first thing that drew me into theater, I remember it so distinctly, watching the video, the recording of Into the Woods with Bernadette Peters, the, uh, 87, 88 recording. The, the Broadway. Yes. Of, yeah, yeah. Um, just thinking, my gosh. Yeah. And then think, I, I got to, do, uh, in 2006, I got to play uh, Rapunzel's Prince. Uh -huh. And so it was, it was a nice way of like, oh, this is, nice. this is yeah. the show that got me involved uh, in theater. And I remember telling my parents, this is something I, I want to do. And they were really supportive. And um, thankfully, I have a, 
my grandmother is a classically trained singer and pianist and yeah. and so i already sort of had that love for art and music and and that good stuff so that just it just helped foster that yeah. and um yeah, and, and then when i got to college um i went to nc state and nc state at the time i was there from 98 to 02 had a communications uh degree with a or communications with a concentration in theater right. so i ended up getting my degree in political science mm -hmm. so and i was a senior in college when September 11th happened. Uh -huh. The day it happened, I was on my way to my US foreign policy class. There was a note from my professor on the door said, classes are canceled, giving interviews. He's a decently renowned political science yeah, professor. Yeah. Interviews for the press. Yes. Uh, yeah. uh, people wanted to know his Absolutely, policy. and it, yeah. it changed the course um, of our of our syllabus of our year. You should have had um, the press come into your class. <laughs> right, that would have been and great. Let the students listen. I would have I would have loved that. He was he was fantastic. I'm not sure if he's still at, at state or not, but who is, who is uh, Dr. Betcha, okay. um, it's fantastic, fantastic man. And uh, the next semester, I had him for U.S. national security, okay. and that was amazing to talk about uh, what weapons we were going to use and things like that, and mm -hmm. security clearances and and. When you're a poli-sci major, the number of uh, acronyms, yeah. governmental acronyms, are astounding because there are one, when a president is at a meeting, right. there there's an acronym for that one. If he leaves the meeting, that becomes a second. A different one. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. it's amazing. So also, I had sort of in, in researching this role, just made me think back to mm -hmm. that day and everything that happened on, on my own experience with yeah. September 11th. Yeah. Um, and you work at a law firm now. I do. Uh, but so so, uh, you didn't go into government service. Was no. the September 11th event uh, influential in pushing you away from that? Or? Uh, no, I still, you know, politics are important to me. My my family is involved in them in, in Florida, in particular, and so it's always been something that. Um, that I've wanted to do. Right. Uh, the trajectory was supposed to be law school. <laughs> so right. it was after I graduate law school. So I graduated and I yeah. said, you know what? I would like to work in a firm just to make sure that's what I want to do before you spend all that time and that money right. um, and that energy. Um, yeah. So I started working for a law firm and I've kind of got talked out of going to law school. I got talked out of it. And my boss is an actor as well. So it's, it's certainly, but I've been able to do two things that I really love, law and politics and, and theater. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of what happened with that. Yeah. And, uh, interesting, very interesting. Uh, will you will you get the law degree eventually, do you think? I don't know. Yeah. My grand, Every time I talk to my grandparents, they were like, law school? Yeah. <laughs> every time. Yeah. Like that's the, instead of saying, hi, grandson, how are you doing? That's second to, have you? Law school? Law school, <laughs> law school and, and yeah, so yeah. education. While tapping their walls. Pretty much, around. absolutely. When they yeah. came to visit and they, okay. they met with my bosses at the firm, uh, they were just like, so when are you sending him to law school? And my boss was like, I don't think he wants hmm. to go. They didn't say anything about them talking me out of it, but they said, I don't, I don't know if he wants to go. So, Well, it's, uh, it's certainly a profession that could use your um, uh, intellect and your um, uh, Humanity. Thank you. Uh, so uh, that would that. be uh, very much. Uh, of that, I can be certain. Uh, and <laughs> Thank you. Can you. Tell your grandparents I said that. Uh, <laughs> but uh, um, Thank you. So, uh, so, the, but training for theater. So undergrad was a non-degreed program. Have you uh, pursued a graduate level uh, of study, or have you taken classes mm. after undergraduate? School? You know, my my classes have been the sheer number of shows, shows I've done. Um, 
I, I was really fortunate to, you know, I tell everyone I did not, I didn't get a theater degree, but for all intended purposes, I was a theater right. major because I did 20 shows at NC State. They have I, a great program. They did. I, I had some great training. I had um, all the higher level uh, classes I'd auditioned for and got in and trained, and, and we trained in multiple, multiple methods. Um, Stanislavski and um, with some Uta Hagen, and, and, and so I, I know some schools lock in on certain ones, but I was fortunate enough to have a variety of them. Um, yeah, I think that's the right, right yeah. way to go. Perfect. And after that, um, I didn't do, when I was in college, we didn't really do any viewpoints. Yeah. But I worked with a theater company around in Durham uh -huh. that it was very viewpoints heavy. So that was significant training. Which, uh, which uh, Both hands, oh, yeah. theater company, yeah. We did, every play was, all rehearsal was viewpoints. Yeah. We would start specifically in some, and then the way they wrote the plays mm -hmm. were viewpoints. Uh -huh. So I had intensive viewpoints training You're creating each show as, Absolutely. You, as you go along physically creating yeah. the, the environment uh, as well as the character i guess yeah uh, yeah I, I, we've uh, used that a lot we have uh, several directors who are inclined to uh, emily reina yes you, you know love 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 her of course, yes uh, randy uh, rand has done that now yeah. you going back a little bit you mm -hmm. the first i know that you did ruined for us uh, about five years ago mm -hmm. the lynn nottage play yes what else have you done for burning my Power? very first show was 10 years ago this month or september um and that was prisoner's dilemma, prisoner's dilemma yeah, the, david egger yeah. yeah our first season here in the murphy school yes yeah. and you know uh a it was my first time working with you yeah. as director and it's fantastic and i was spoiled on that show too, because to have the playwright, yeah. <laughs> right? I think he was there with my first happen, week of rehearsals. Yeah. Um, and he came back again. Yes, how yeah, fantastic yeah. was that? Yeah. And I, I, a Tony winning playwright. I saw him last week, uh, actually. Oh, that's right. I, I went over to, to see he uh, a, a play he wrote back in the 80s called May Days. Yes. being done at the uh, RSC, but he had also written a new play that's a one-man show that he's acting in uh, for the first time oh, that's since awesome. he was a schoolboy. Yeah. Know? And it's, uh, it's a conversation between his 20-year-old uh, self in 1968 and his 70-year-old self today and I kind of interrogating himself. That. Did I live up to the standards? I and, love that. Ought I have lived up to the standards. And, and it's pretty darn good, but there's a moment in it about two-thirds of the way through where something happens that is completely unexpected mm -hmm. and it just everybody in the auditorium just ju almost jumped out of their seats and were s listening intently for th from that point on and it was it became it went from being a good play to a great one at that point wow i think um and it's uh, yeah and he's he's doing well he's happy he's got an adaptation of a christmas carol that the rsc is bringing back for a second oh, great. year so he's going to make some money off of good, that. that's good you know, it's uh, nice and he's it, looking at the idea of bringing the one-man show over to the states somewhere so that's uh, amazing yeah I, I have had some uh great triumphs in this in this theater and with this theater company um ruined was particularly special um and look, I look back on it, and it was also a crazy time because I was, yeah. we opened Ruined, and then in our dark days, I started rehearsing for Ragtime. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, it was a crazy time, but, was you know, that, I, uh, that was Justice, Justice Theater, Theater Project. Project yeah. 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 yeah, so I was really fortunate. I got to play Cole House, one of my dream roles. Sure. Um, You'll play that, that again. Uh, it would be nice. Done, uh, it would be uh, nice. Uh, there are certain roles, you know, it's funny you, you say that, there are certain roles I would love to go back and visit. Yeah. I got played Othello at 28 years old. And I'm where, almost where uh, with Bear Theater, okay. so I'm almost I'm, I'll be 40 in two years. So yeah. that'd be nice to 
to kind of revisit 10 years with 10 more years of life yeah. and experience um and my boss actually played iago so it was that was a fun uh, thing Seth, uh, yeah Seth yeah Lund. we would we would go into each other's offices on our lunch breaks and, and just like tell the staff we're at lunch and we would run lines we would just run lines we hear lines you right emoting in, in there and <laughs> yes. i think you're pouring over a case <laughs> yeah so. like no we <laughs> are no so that was great to to yeah. to work with seth on that and and to play another dream role. All of those plays, the Lynn Nottage play, Othello, mm -hmm. uh, the David Edgar play, yeah. and certainly uh, Stuff Happens, the David Hare play, are all um, text-heavy, uh, yeah. very <laughs> much about words uh, yes. and language. Is that important for you when you're looking uh, to, uh, for a play? But then you, t but then you talk about uh, both hands, which, uh, which is, I imagine, less text and more... More body, yes, yeah. yes. Um, but yeah, I, I, a strong text is important to me. It really is. I someone said, "Can't you do something easy, Byron, one day?" Or can't you? And it's like that's just not me. And not that it, 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 not that I haven't ever done anything like that. But I do look for, I do look for text and and plays and characters that I can really sink my teeth into, and I can really um, try to get into the psyche um, uh, of these characters and of this and the worlds that they inhabit. Um, that's that's important to me. It really is, um, because I truly believe, Jaron, and you and I, I think, have talked about this, and uh, in the power of theater to educate right. and to change lives. It certainly did mine, even with the starting with Into the Woods, and Into the Woods has a great tale to it too. Right. A lot of people may take it as a fairy tale at first value, but Sondheim is saying so much in that show. Right. Right. Um, so yeah, from the very beginning, um, having rich text has been something that's important to me. Right. Um, we don't, uh, y'all don't have to tiptoe around. The, the, the team is getting ready for stuff happens tonight, and they're all tiptoeing around. So if you hear little tiptoes going across the floor, it's uh, it's our esteemed company. Um, what do you want to do? Um, you know, education and. Legal services, mm -hmm. it seems to me, are two um, parallel trains running. Uh, to borrow from August Wilson, uh, um, and um, and I just wonder. Um, A playwright, I have not done any not August done, Wilson well, shows. He yet. doesn't get done nearly as much yeah. as he should. Um, what do, What do you um, What do you want to do with the work? <sighs> that's <laughs> oh, that's a, that's. That's a great question. Um, wow. I'm, truthfully, I'm still trying to figure that out. Um, I hope to continue to be able to perform on stage um, and hopefully in shows that audiences connect to mm -hmm. and characters that people can connect to. Um, I know I certainly want this path to take me to places where I can uh, may end up in a classroom. What, uh, what, does it, uh, what does it do when an audience connects, when, when an individual in an audience connects to Cole House, uh, for instance, or mm -hmm. to Colin Powell? Uh, what, is, what, what does that do in the world, uh, do you think? Uh, I'm, I'm asking the question without mm -hmm. knowing it. I'm, I'm being a bad lawyer here. <laughs> I'm asking a question I don't know the answer to. Oh, well. Uh, you know, when you when you have people come up to you after after a performance, or um, 
when they see you in a grocery store as well. yeah. <laughs> and they say um, that really that show just really either spoke to me or you know in the in the case of uh, Norma Hart I you know I lost someone to to AIDS um, or things like that and and thank you guys for just telling a story my story it may not have been with the specific person's name or, or family member or friend but it was still their story um, it, being told things like that just just gives me chills because I, I know that regard and sometimes people don't tell you necessarily they'll tell you if they thought it was good or bad or and but sometimes not even that it's just that thank you or I connected with it um, so not even necessarily pulling a value on it but just that they did connect with it um, for the, for me that means I've, I've done my job it reminds uh, it reminds us that that, those, that not everybody feels that their stories are being told or Absolutely. feels that, that that there's any kind of um, that, that, that they have anything in common with the person next to them sure. Absolutely. in the audience and to be reminded that they do is, uh, yeah. is strong and, and that, uh, that alone I think is worth uh, the effort that, that goes yeah. into playing one of these extraordinary roles. Absolutely. Uh, Byron, you have a show to do tonight, so we're going to let, let you off the hook. With Thank you for doing the podcast Thank tonight. you so much for having me. I, this pleasure. is great. And thank you for, um, for uh, Stuff Happens. Uh, and uh, we look forward to the next one and uh, maybe uh, getting you back uh, uh, into one of those roles you've played earlier in your life. Uh, I, I won't, won't I love say that. which, but, uh, <laughs> but I think you. you have an idea of what I'm talking about. <laughs> yes. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Jerry. Take care. Thank you for listening. Our production of David Hare's Stuff Happens will run from Thursday, October 11th through Sunday, October 28th. To purchase tickets or for more information, visit our website at burningcoal.org or give us a call at 919-834-4001.